And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. But before we get to our Bible study, we are going to look at our clue quiz quiz yes. clue for the day. Just by the way, I've put most of them up already on social media. <laughs> so if you jump on our Instagram, our handle is Faith FM Live. It's all lowercase one word. And you can just uh, click on our profile picture and you will be able to watch our 24-hour um, live story. Uh, Insta story. So that's only up for 24 hours and then it disappears. And I have put most of the clues up there, including my sunny little face. So third clue. What number am I? Jesus healed a woman who had been subject to bleeding for this number of years. Mm. Mm. Wonderful story. How many years was that? If you know the answer, you know the number to give us a call. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Mon, we were talking about Peter's sermon yesterday, so let's go back over to Peter's sermon. Let's do a bit of a, uh, a quick review of what we were looking at in that um, amazing dialogue that was taking place right there where Peter was uh, sharing with the people and the people were asking, Peter, what should we do? Well, that's what they come to do at the uh, end of this particular sermon right here. And Peter does a Peter. And Peter does a Peter. He becomes, he just stands up and in front of everybody just says, hey, guys, you killed Jesus. Yeah, let's them have it. But Jesus rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, this is important and significant because, you know, the easiest way to have destroyed Christianity at its very outset would have been simply to produce the body of Jesus. But there was no body that anybody could produce because Jesus was not there. Jesus had resurrected. Jesus had gone to heaven. And you can guarantee that the enemies of Christianity put as searched as long and hard as they possibly could to be able to come up with the body of Jesus mm. um, and were unable to do so. Why do you think they were so intent on proving his resurrection a falsehood? Because they were the the, the the religious leaders were the ones who were the most guilty. Okay, and of course they were going to be held as the most guilty by the population. So this was an, a, a a situation where they were losing face and they were losing power with the people because people were starting to believe that he was the Messiah. Yeah, and if he was the Messiah and, and he rose again, that's pretty you know good evidence for that. And so they would be like, "Hang on, he was the Messiah, and you guys killed him." That's right. Okay. Now there's another. There was another important motivation that I think we often overlook in this situation, and that is that the um, the death of Jesus fulfilled the sacrifice of the lamb and fulfilled, brought to an end the sacrificial system of the temple. Oh. Now, you know, that temple was the pride of the Jewish nation mm-hmm. because it was one truly one of the wonders of the ancient world. Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing like it anywhere else in the world. This was a this was a structure that rivaled the pyramids. And of course, if Jesus was the Messiah and what the disciples were saying was true, then that temple, its services had come to an end. But so that would be a loss of prestige mm. to the Jewish nation if they were all to become Christians. But they kept doing sacrifices. I mean, don't some people still do sacrifices now? It's very, very rare. Okay. Jewish people don't do sacrifices, obviously, because um, they've got no temple to sacrifice in. And mm-hmm. you can't sacrifice anywhere other than the temple. Okay. Uh, mostly sacrifices these days are carried out by um, spiritualism, animistic religions, mm-hmm. ancestor worship, that kind of thing. Yeah, Santa, Santa Ana, those kind of religions. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, you, know, you get a few small like uh, Christian cults and yeah. Jewish cults and that kind yeah. of thing. That um, sorry, Santeria, not Santa Ana, Santeria. Yeah, getting my religions mixed up. I know that because I was in Cuba 
um, just uh, last year. And uh, one of the most um, prominent religions there is Santeria. And I went for a walk basically anywhere in Cuba where there's like a little river or a stream or a pond um, and you go for a walk there, even if it's in their botanical gardens, their, their national botanic gardens, you'll find um, skeletons and bones of, you know, small animals and birds. Mm-hmm. And after a while I was getting a little bit weird. Like why is it everywhere there's water, there's remains? Mm. And uh, and our tour guide told us um, perhaps a little bit embarrassingly uh, that – Santeria involves sacrifices and it's usually done beside a body of water and then they just leave the remains there. So, oh, yeah, no. yeah, hmm. inter- interesting little. There you go, fascinating. Yeah, very much so. But yeah, so there was, there would be, for the Jewish people, there would have been a loss of prestige mm-hmm. in their minds. Now, in, in my mind, you know, that temple should have stood there and stood for the next, you know, stu- should have stood there and stood through until the second coming of Jesus and been preserved in its splendor mm. as an object lesson of the plan of redemption so that you could actually take people through and you could, you could show them the different parts of the temple, you could show them the different articles of the temple, you could show them how they were used and what they were symbolized because every tiny detail of that building pointed to Jesus Christ. So had they understood what was happening when Jesus was crucified, they should have stopped all the sacrifices in the temple, mm-hmm. you know, reutilized the temple for something else. Reutilized it for the spread of the gospel. But instead they kept doing sacrifices until the temple was destroyed, right? That's right. And is not the Jewish nation still waiting to have the temple rebuilt? Yes. Are they planning to continue? There are elements within Judaism that, that yes, they have um, rebuilt You know, a lot of the furniture. Like when I was in Jerusalem, I saw the menorah that has been constructed for the, uh, for the new temple okay. on display. Okay. And so, and the plan is once the temple's rebuilt, they are going to redo sacrifices? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, it, it concerns me that evangelical Christians would support such a thing because, of course, that would be no less blasphemous than um, what took place in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that, that temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And as we, as we looked at in our um, news segment on this day in 70 AD, the Roman general Titus assaulted the city walls of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the reason that it was destroyed in, by the Romans and that God allowed that to happen was to stop the blasphemy of what was taking place within those walls of, mm-hmm. the, of the sacrifices continuing after Jesus had given his life on Calvary. Mm-hmm. So there's another problem there as well. And um, you know how Jewish people have a natural talent for making money. Yes, yeah. They're very different, well-versed Different, in different, different uh, people groups around the world have different natural talents, and this, mm-hmm. is, this, is, this is their particular natural talent. And I'm like, hey, more power to them. Do you know what? I don't necessarily think it's a natural talent. I think it's something they've cultivated and they teach their children it and it gets passed down from generation to generation. <laughs> and therefore, it looks like it's something that's you know pecu- uh, particular to them, but I think anyone can learn good stewardship from the Bible. Absolutely, yeah. because what it comes from, the, the reason that Jews are good with money is because the Bible outlines yep. good principles the best principles and they of financial them. management mm-hmm. and they have followed them for the last three and a half thousand years and as a result of three and a half thousand years of following it, it's just it's just ingrained into them yeah. how to how to manage money and so yeah. they've, they've become uh, good at it as a result and we need to come back to the biblical principles mm. and so many Christians you know completely ignore big biblical principles of how to deal with money we could definitely learn from the Jews in that regard oh yes absolutely absolutely and, and it's um yeah it's, it's it's fantastic to see it take place um but uh, what was it? What were we talking about? Um, okay, the, the in the world back then, you had your two largest economies. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was the city of Rome, 
obviously, which was the center of you know the the commercial political center of the world, and all roads led to Rome, and so you know Rome had the largest economy uh, in the world. You know, at the height of this is the height of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. but the second largest economy after Rome, and very few people realize this was the temple in Jerusalem. Oh, really? This was a massive, massive money-making venture. And so this is why, you know, they would fight so hard and so long and there was so much bloodshed that took place over who would get to be the high priest and who would be in charge of that because if you were in charge, if you were the high priest, you were in charge of the largest economy in the world. And, 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 and these Jews became just phenomenally rich. Is this because they were like selling sacrifices? So you could travel there and like purchase a lamb or a yeah. dove or whatever it is. Well, you travel there with your lamb, and then you would uh, exchange that lamb. For, you, you would, you know, that that lamb would always be faulted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the priest would always fault the lamb um, so that it couldn't be sacrificed. And then they, well, then you're there and you're without a lamb. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Well, you sell that one off cheap because it's no good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you buy another one that has been. Uh, passed as being good enough mm-hmm. at an exorbitant price because what are you going to do, walk all the way home and get another one yeah. and find, that, find that, it want, that it is faulted as well? Um, and then what happens is the one that you sold would then get be recycled to be sold at an exorbitant price to somebody else. Ah, uh, it's just such a setup. This is why Jesus cleansed the temple twice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, of course, then uh, for the service in the temple, you had to use temple money. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Its you own currency. You, you couldn't, you, you had its own currency, and you couldn't use normal currency. And so then you had your your money changes. Exchange rate, mm-hmm. and this is you know the exchange rate was just exorbitant, and so it was the the greatest. It sounds like a hustler's dream. Oh, it was yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And if you controlled that, you controlled fabulous wealth. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So their prestige was at risk, their wealth was at risk, their reputation with the people was at risk Mm -hmm. because they were now seen as being murderers. So they really wanted to produce a body. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. They could, if they could just produce the body of Jesus, then all their problems would be solved. Unfortunately, they were never able to do so. And this is one of the greatest evidences of the resurrection right there is that uh, the enemies of Jesus claimed that the tomb was empty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The enemies of Jesus said, no, there's nobody in the tomb. There's, uh, they came up with this lame excuse that he'd been stolen while 100 Rom- Roman soldiers slept. I, I, that must have just been the laughing stock. To us, it's so ludicrous. And, to and, everyone else, it must have been ludicrous. Then. And it explains why we have 3,000 people giving their lives to Jesus Christ on this particular day when, mm-hmm, people, and when mm-hmm. Peter starts to preach. You know, because... You know, where you've got where you've got you've got the whole principle of cause and effect, and Christianity is one of the, is the greatest effect that our world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And a great effect naturally is caused by a great cause. You don't have you know some lame, weak, vanilla kind of cause producing a great effect. Mm, yeah, there have been lots of people who have started religions. There have been lots of people who have given their lives for those religions. There have been lots of people who have you know died a martyr's death for some religion that they have created, but none of them has spawned what Christianity spawned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it just simply does not exist, and, and and no, there is no individual that has ever lived on the planet who has ever affected humanity more profoundly across 
every religion, across every nation, across every language, across every culture, than Jesus Christ, mm. whether you believe in him or not. You know, because the world is divided by those who believe in Jesus Christ and those who don't. You know, there are effectively two groups in our world right now, um, and believers and non-believers. And so, you know, this is a this is a phenomenally powerful effect. You've got to look for a cause behind that of unimaginable proportions. And the only explanation that there is as a cause that would be big enough is a resurrection. Now, if you've got a resurrection, that's a phenomenal cause. Yeah. That's going to have an effect. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so that's pretty much the only thing that explains the explosive growth and rise of Christianity. You know, by the time Constantine came to power a few hundred years later, was it 250 years later, something, you know, thereabouts, one in ten people in the empire were Christian. Wow. That's a lot. You, you think about that. Yeah. One in ten people in the entire – this is the, one of the greatest empires the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and this is why Constantine looks out like, well, the majority of the world is Christian because, you know, obviously the world was divided up between national religions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Greeks had their religion and the um, – you know the Franks had their religion, and the and the Anglo, you know, the, the Britons had their religion, and, and and so forth. You go through the through the list of you know religions were national, and so they were naturally small because they were limited to a nation. Mm-hmm. But here you've got an international religion, and it's now the largest religion in the world. And Constantine's like, well, you can't beat them. Join them. Join, yeah, yeah. Made it political and destroyed it in the process. But mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Anyway. We got sidetracked on that. We did. I'm just trying to find where we're supposed to be at. <laughs> Peter's <Okay>. sermon. <laughs> Peter's sermon because Peter is highlighting the resurrection of Jesus and he begins by talking about David. And, of course, David, as we mentioned yesterday, was the greatest of all the Hebrew heroes, the Jewish Israelite heroes. Mm-hmm. He's mentioned more times in the Bible than anyone else other than Jesus Christ. And so Peter begins by highlighting the difference between Jesus and and David is like, hey guys, you can go down the road here and you can see the tomb of David and you can open up that tomb and you can see the bones of David. Mm-hmm. What about Jesus? Yeah, nothing. Go find the body of Jesus. Yeah. He rose from the dead, you know, just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Go look for yourself. You know, so, and he's saying, if David is dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day and he has not ascended into heaven, then you've got Jesus Christ in contrast to your greatest hero, who is who is dead, buried, resurrected, alive, and ascended into heaven. Mm. Draw the contrast of how much greater Jesus Christ is than your greatest hero, David. Or I should say, our greatest hero, David, because, of course, Peter was Jewish himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this was what we were looking at yesterday. That was a rather long introduction, uh, uh, rather long review of yesterday's study. But, Mon, why don't you pick up for us uh, where did we get up to? We got up to... Chapter 2, was it not? Somewhere in the 30... Yeah, we read 28. Uh, 29. Yeah, we read 29. Let's read uh, verse 30 through 34. 30 through 34, Acts yeah. chapter 2. <clears throat> right. But he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one he, of... He, by the way, he here is David. He is a prophet. David is a prophet. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So David is a prophet. But David was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven. Yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Uh, 36 as well. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Oh, Peter does a Peter again. Mm-hmm. He has to throw it in there right mm-hmm. at the end, doesn't he? Yeah, this, Peter, this, this Jesus Christ whom you crucified. Yeah, but it works. <laughs> lays, oh, it does. Yeah. It does. And I think this is one of the problems that we have in Christianity is that we are a bit too weak these days mm-hmm. to say the hard things that need to be said, to say the very plain things that need to be said. And Christianity has become very vanilla. Yeah. Very beige. I love what it says in the next verse. It says Peter's words pierced their hearts. And something that pierces has to be sharp and and cutting. It has to get all the way through. We need preachers today who are prepared to stand up Mm -hmm. and present Jesus Christ and to point out sin and call sin by its right name. Yeah. Because there are very, very few people that are doing that right now, mm-hmm. you know, particularly with the controversial issues that are taking place in our world in relationship to Christianity, the persecution that Christianity is facing, the uh, ostracism. You know, it's almost um, you're almost automatically labelled as being a bigot mm-hmm. right. just for being a Christian mm-hmm. these days. Mm-hmm. Um, in the United States, we've got to a certain extent the criminalisation of Christianity. Uh, where people are being locked up for their faith. And in Canada. I was quite surprised about oh, that Canada in Canada. A, I mean, Canada is saying that you can't read out the Bible in, in churches. Certain because passages. Of discrim- but I'm like, isn't that discrimination against the Bible <laughs> and against Christians? <laughs> Go figure. Mm. Uh, this is what happens when you... Uh, anyway. Yeah. Try and twist the Bible to suit yourself. Uh, that's it. Extreme political correctness is what it is. I would love to know what Peter would have said had he been alive today. Yeah, we all know from this yeah. passage here that <laughs> yeah. Peter would not have held back, just as um, you know Stephen a few chapters later did not hold back. These are these are these are preachers who did not hold back, and they just simply stated it how it was. Paul was one who who did not hold back. Do you think, like Stephen, if we had him here now, that our people today would stone him? There would certainly be. He would certainly receive death threats. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because any preacher who stands up publicly these days and you know publicly denounces the sins that the Bible calls sins receives death threats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 that simple. You you can't you know they're like oh bigotry and this and that and the other. You know I haven't thrown stones at you. I haven't done anything to hurt you or anything like that. But um, you know I've just simply read. You know, a, a, a book that has created a moral standard for the last 2,000 years that has created Western civilization. You know, this book has created Western civilization. And by reading it, uh, reading certain portions of it, you are just labeled as being a bigot. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a sad thing. But, you know, Peter, Peter certainly was not scared of it. And uh, once again, he draws this, he draws this uh, contrast between David and Jesus Christ, right there in verse 34, he says, For David has not gone to heaven. Mm. 
And that's a great statement to help us to understand what happens when a person dies, what happens to a righteous person when they die. They don't go to heaven. That's right. They wait for the resurrection. You can't have both the immortality of the soul and the resurrection. Mm -hmm. You can have one or the other. The two cancel each other out and Peter is abundantly clear which one it is that you find in the Bible. If you want to weigh in on this, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Stay tuned. This is Rainy Travis with Through the Fire. And after this, we'll be right back uh, with more of our Encounter with God Bible study. So many times I've questioned certain circumstances or things I could not understand Many times in trials Weakness blurs my vision And my frustration gets so out of hand As then I am reminded I've never been forsaken I've never had to stand the test alone as I look at all the victories, the Spirit rises up in me. It's through the fire my weakness is made strong. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy, or the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victory without fighting but he said help would always come in time just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in just hold on our Lord will show up and he will take you That I would surely perish If I trust the hand of God He'll shield the flames again He never promised That the cross would not get heavy And the hill would not be hard to
That was Randy Travis with Through the Fire here on Faith FM, and we've been talking about the uh, Peter's sermon and uh, his great call here to for people to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And so he uses he uses two great evidences, proofs, and it's interesting in the first Christian sermon preached by the apostles. Mm. This is what this is. Mm-hmm. That Christianity is based on evidence. Absolutely. He doesn't appeal to blind faith. Mm-hmm. He appeals to evidence. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that he appeals to as far as evidence goes is the resurrection of Jesus. And he really lays out the challenge right here, right now, to show evidence that Jesus had not been raised from the dead. He's like, we are his witnesses. There is, you know, 500 of us here that have seen Jesus alive. If you are not going to believe that, then produce evidence. Yeah. Uh, He then compares Jesus Christ with King David to Mm -hmm. show that, you know, Jesus is truly the greatest Jewish hero of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he further goes on. And notice what it says here in verse 33. It says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has given this to us, which you now see and hear. So his final evidence that he puts forward is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He's like, okay, this is what you see, this is what you hear. You see and hear uneducated you know, rednecks, bogans, mm-hmm. Galileans, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. um, speaking fluently and preaching the gospel with boldness, with power, with no fear whatsoever, mm. and in a multitude of different languages. At, do you know, when I became a Christian, this was actually one of the best things for me, the fact that I discovered that Christianity is evidence-based. It's not just to yeah. be a blind sheep and shut up. It was like, here's some stuff you can study out. It's all evidence-based. It just, it really empowered my mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now, it's also significant that the last evidence that Peter puts forward is the supernatural. Mm. You know, he begins with, uh, well, I guess, I guess the resurrection is, is the supernatural as well, but he begins with, you know, the cross, the crucifixion, pointing people to Jesus Christ and ends with what the disciples are actually doing. Um, so he begins by pointing people to Jesus and ends by, um, you know, talking about his own, his, his own experience and what is actually taking place, you know, with them right now at this particular point. So here's a question for you, Mon. Mm. With death all around us, always threatening us and our loved ones, why is the resurrection of Jesus so important? Look, it's like climbing a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. You look at a mountain, you think that's impossible to climb, and then you go, hang on, I know someone who did climb it, and suddenly it doesn't seem like it's that impossible of a task because if someone's done it before, that means someone can do it again. What's the tallest mountain you've ever climbed? Kosciuszko. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In the snow, it was really fun. Pikes Peak. Yeah. And, um, Twice the height of Kosciuszko. Oh, Just good on you. <laughs> Never heard of it, Lyle. And, um, I climbed it in my rental car. Oh, <laughs> that doesn't count. I climbed Kosciuszko <laughs> on foot. <laughs> and this is the same with, uh, with death. You know, you know, the Bible says death, where is thy victory? Death, where is thy sting? And this, yes. is, this is exactly what you know, the, the sentiment is. If, if Jesus can conquer death, that gives us hope that we will conquer it through him as well. Absolutely. If he can rise again, so can we. And if Jesus, who is God, could not come back from the dead, what hope have we got? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, this is this is the, uh, 
and this is this is really the, the, the so often we look to the cross mm-hmm. and we say the cross is at the center of Christianity. The resurrection is at the center of Christianity, That's equally right. with the cross mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and equally with the promise of the return of Christ. These three things, the, 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 the crucifixion, the resurrection and the return of Christ, without those three things, you know, as Paul says, we are of all men most miserable. Mm. This is where we find our faith. This is where we find our joy. This is where we find our hope. This is where we have that light at the end of the tunnel. This is where when we look at it, our world and we see so much you know, terror and pain and suffering. And we had you know, Wayne Ulrich in here yesterday who's just seen horrific things. And some of the mm. things that he discussed with you and I off air yeah. that we simply could not put to air, mm-hmm. you know, had Mon and I sitting here thinking, how is this man not a dribbling Wreck. mess yeah. of PTSD after having seen those kinds mm-hmm. of just truly horrific things taking place Mm -hmm. and that's by the grace of god you know Mm -hmm. we had wayne in here just you know bubbling over with with uh, joy for serving god yeah enthusiasm for jesus enthusiasm for jesus and yet having experienced things that are just completely off the scale Mm -hmm. as far as horror goes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know particularly for those of us living here in australia um where we just don't see and hear those kinds of things yeah and uh and and what is, what is it that makes the difference? What is it that keeps somebody like that going? It's that light at the end of the tunnel, the promise of the return of Christ, you it's know, w- without, without these things, which is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is based on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so while we're working our way through here, we find that, um, you know, Paul is, ex- uh, sorry, Peter is exalting Jesus. He's pointing people to Jesus. And he's revealing that Jesus is the one who is, you know, sitting at the right hand of authority. Let's go to Psalms 110. Uh, we'll flick over here real quick. Psalms 110, and we're going to read the first three verses of this psalm. Uh, we've got a prophecy over here that we need to um, take particular note of. Can you read those first three verses for us, please, then, Mon? The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. You are arrayed in holy garments and your strength will be renewed each day like the morning dew. Okay, so what does the right hand uh, of God symbolize here in this particular passage? It's a place of honor. It's a place of honor, yes. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. I guess it means that he's going to be doing the, the, the hard work for you. Okay, so it's yeah. a place of authority as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, because he's, he, he has let you sit there and you are now in a place of authority. You remember when, um, uh, was what? it James and John? James mm-hmm. and John's mother. Mm. came to Jesus and said, hey, you know, when you come into your kingdom, can you place my two sons, one on your right hand and one on your left? Putting in a good word for a yeah, boy. Yeah, that's right. What a great, <laughs> I'll get these boys a job. <laughs> what a great mum. She's like, yeah, you, you need to pick these two ones here, the, the sons of thunder. Why don't mm-hmm. put them in there? And uh, so this was a little bit of ambition coming through, but it, it, it symbolizes that, you know, and, and it talks about how Jesus has been, as a prophecy about how Jesus would be placed at the right hand of God. Mm. And it's also, I guess, a, a, a position of protection, like you're well protected if you're sitting at the right hand of God. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if you go over to Acts chapter 7, which we're going to cover in a couple of weeks' time, when Stephen is stoned to death, before that event, he looks into heaven and he sees Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father in heaven. Mm. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many other passages where, where the Bible says that Jesus ascended into heaven and sat down on the right hand of the Father. And so he has sat down there in a position of authority. Mm-hmm. And the reason that he has that authority is because he has purchased us with his blood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Jesus' Jesus' death on Calvary paid the price for our world. He now owns this world. You know, Satan has always claimed to be the prince of this world. Yeah, he's got all these big claims and turns up in heaven, you know, in the book of Job there, and it's like, yeah, I've, I'm here as a representative of planet Earth. And God's like, oh, really? Yeah, so you represent Job too, do you? Mm-hmm. And uh, hence that whole discussion takes place. But what you find here is that uh, Jesus is the one who owns this planet and he owns the people on this planet who have given their lives to him because he has purchased them with his blood. Amen. And the very least that we can do is to give our lives to Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us. May we all determined to do that today. This is Katie Gust.
business. It's easier said than done. But now there's a new approach to help us be more forgiving, a program called Forgive to Live. It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness, a relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. King of kings, we kneel before you, Father, appealing, asking for peace in the rest of the country. Lord of Lords, we kneel before you, Father, appealing, asking for peace in the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Our Father, our Father, we are asking for peace in the world. Mm-hmm. Our Father, our Father, we are asking for peace in the world. Mm-hmm. Our Father, our Father, we are asking for peace in the world. Mm-hmm. Our Father, our Father, we are asking for peace in the world. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself. Reveal yourself, reveal from heaven. Because we are directing to you, to you, to Almighty. We are directing to you forever, Almighty. The sun, rise and set, set forever almighty. Your promise, our Father, said fear thou not, for I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God, I will strengthen thee. Yeah, I will help thee. Yeah, I will uphold thee with my right hand of my righteousness. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself, Almighty. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself, Almighty. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. Reveal from heaven. Reveal yourself, Almighty. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself, reveal from heaven. Reveal yourself, Almighty. That's a rise and set forever, Almighty. That's a rise and set forever, Almighty. That's a rise and set forever, Almighty. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself, Almighty. Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself, Almighty. Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself, Almighty. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself, Almighty. 
Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Because we are directing to you Welcome back to Faith FM. <clears throat> Man, my microphone in my headset's really loud because I had that song cranked. Shell knows that I love Lady Smith Black Mum Buzz. It's one of my all time favorite bands since I've been a kid. Love it. Mm, yeah. There you go. But we are up to our question of the day. And before we Have we answered our quiz? Have we answered no, our quiz? No, how come nobody's answered the quiz? Well, it's about to get super duper easy. Okay. Okay, so what number am I? Jesus was this many years old when his parents found him in the temple questioning the teachers. So if you know how if you know how old Jesus was at that time, give us a call. One eight hundred Faith FM is the number. Mm-hmm. And the question that we've had come through is a really interesting one, and uh, we had it up on our social media since yesterday, and people have been commenting on it and uh, and tapping it. Um, the question is: Is it possible to sell your soul to the devil? I think that's a very obvious and easy question to answer. Very very clearly, it is possible to sell your soul to the devil. Mm-hmm. And when you sell your soul to the devil, he will not give you much for it. Mm. He will pay for it with death, destruction, pain, and misery. And so we've got many instances in history where people have uh, decided that they will sell their soul to the devil because they want, uh, they, in return for that, they want wealth, they want fame, they want power, whatever it might be. And the devil will give it to them as a temporary thing. It's like bait in a trap. You know, when you set a trap, and, and obviously growing up in the bush and growing up in farms, there's been many times when I've set traps for uh, various vermin that have been, you know, uh, creating destruction. And you set a, a rat trap, for instance, or a mouse trap or something like that. You put a bait in it. Mm-hmm. Now, think of a rat trap. When the rat starts to eat the bait, it tastes really good. Mm. But only for a very, very short moment and then bang, that steel bar comes down and breaks his neck and it's all over. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the devil does. He offers you everything. He lays out the baits and this is what he did to Jesus. You know, in the Garden of Temptation, he set a a number of very, very juicy traps. You know, the first one was like, just make yourself some food. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are the son of God, make yourself food. And it's because that, you know, he used the word if. Mm-hmm that Jesus was like, no, I'm not going to have a bar of it because he's not, going to, he's not going to fall into the trap of accepting Satan, questioning his position as being God, mm. you know, um, and, and then finishes off that temptation eventually by taking him up and standing on top of the uh, mountains like, okay, we both know who each other are. Yeah, You know that I'm Satan. Mm-hmm. I know that you're God. Um, I know that you've come to this earth to give your life so that you can um, win back this earth and this world. I tell you what, rather than giving your life, I'll let you out the easy way and I'll just give it to you. And Jesus could have sold his soul to the devil right there. Mm-hmm. And in return for his soul, uh, G- Satan could have given Jesus the rulership of the world. But the one who is giving the sovereignty is the one who actually has the sovereignty. Mm-hmm. 
And that would have been Jesus admitting like, yeah, okay, you do actually own this world. This is actually yours. Yeah. And uh, this world has been the center of the great controversy between Christ and Satan. In many ways, anyone who has not given their life to Jesus Christ has sold their soul to Satan. Mm -hmm. And Satan is in the process of destroying that life. Um, of course, the influence of the Holy Spirit is fighting the other direction, which is why Satan doesn't have complete control. Praise God for that. Amen. Um, but uh, the Satan Satan will exact a uh, an incredibly high price. He will he will yes he, you can you can sell your soul, but it was, it is going to cost you everything. Pain, suffering, and death is what you will get in return for selling your soul to Satan. If you have a question, give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM. to Sierra Hull here on Trust with Trust and Obey here on Faith FM. And as we come to our free offer time, we also have a quiz clue. But before we do that, mm, yeah. somebody's made a comment on Facebook about whether you can sell your soul to the devil or not. And I think it's a really good comment. Mm, Daniel uh, Mateo. Daniel Mateo said mm -hmm. you can do it, but it still wouldn't belong to him. Jesus is redeemed with the ultimate price and nothing can defeat it. What we can do is give Satan permission to be in charge of us in exchange for some pithy favour. Despite Jesus' great sacrifice, and opt to forfeit the free gift of salvation. Uh, 
But at any moment that we cried out to Jesus for help, even in that situation, he would be there to rescue us as shown in the story of the Gerasene man. Mm. And so if you are somebody who has sold your soul to the devil and you're wondering whether you can come back to Jesus, the reason that you are wondering that is because you can. Yes, that's right. Somebody who's committed the unpardonable sin will never wonder that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it goes through your mind, if you are listening to this show, then you are somebody that the Holy Spirit is calling to and you can come back to Jesus Christ because he has paid for your soul. He's the only one who's actually bought it with his blood and Satan can never outbid Jesus' blood. Amen. I'm going to give you the last clue before we do our giveaway. Uh, so the quiz is a what number am I? And the last clue is the number of tribes of Israel. Oh, come on. Whose names appear on the gates of the New Jerusalem. We already talked about that at the very so beginning. Easy. So easy. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. And also give us a call on the same number, 1-800-324-843. If you would like the free giveaway today. At the beginning of the show when we were talking about the 144,000 and all the tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. did we actually say that number? I'm, I can't remember. I can't remember. I think you probably did. I'm going to go back yeah. and listen to see if Mon did. <laughs> anyway. there would, would be two to my three. No. <laughs> well, I, whatever, whatever. I don't think I did. Uh, anyway, we also have a free giveaway now. But you don't need to answer any questions for that. You can All you have to do is call us and be the first person to call through. This is a wonderful book. It's from the Library of Sermons of Joe Cruz. Oh, these are my favourite. Yeah, Joe good? Cruz is yeah. my favourite evangelist of all oh, time. Really? Man, that's some high praise. This there. guy was a master evangelist. He, he wow. crafted the, the, the best sermons. It's like every word was strategically placed so clear. Just oh. amazing. So yeah, I've um, never good. listened to him, but I've, I've, I've. I mean, he he has many of his sermons in book form now. Yes. Yeah. So read his stuff, or jump online and Google it. Um, he died, I think, in 1992 or 93. I had the opportunity to meet him, mm-hmm. and at that time, I had no idea who he was. And so I'm like, oh, why would I? Why would I go for a couple of hours drive just to meet this guy I've never heard of? Uh-huh. And now I sort of kick myself, like, yeah, I should have gone to meet that guy. Yeah. Well, anyway. Missed opportunity, but there's not a missed opportunity here for you today. If you give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, we're giving away Joe Cruz, Library of Sermons number 23. Is Sunday really sacred? Oh, okay. Mm. There you go. Yeah, very interesting Find book. Out the answer to that question. Yeah, we're going to put that up on uh, social media if you'd like to take a look at it. And of course, if you call us now, we will send it to you free of charge. And uh, I can hear our phones ringing off the hook, so I think that last clue for our quiz really gave yeah, away. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> How many tribes of Israel are there? Um, 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 let me think. Let me look at the maps in the back of my Bible and count. <laughs> Indeed. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We, of course, will be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. And if you have any questions about the Bible or if you would like some Bible studies, you can uh, contact us here and we can set you up, can't we? We can indeed. And uh, we, we can set you up with small group, uh, one-on-one, correspondence, online, however you would like to study. You can even study my particular series, which is the Prophetic Code series of Bible studies, uh, because I love to study Bible prophecies. So, um, yeah, um, great uh, great opportunities right there. And, and don't forget that if you're listening to this show, and it is not Thursday, the, what is it, the 11th? Okay. Yep, the 11th. Then you're listening to the delayed broadcast. So, oh, no, wait, it's the 12th. Yeah, anyway, it's Thursday. If it's not Thursday, flip across. It's National Cow Appreciation Day. <laughs> faithfm.com.au is your answer to get the live show. Stay tuned.
Songs he placed within their breast 
When you're content to be yourself